0: invite you to turn with me to uh this morning to mark chapter 16 and if you'd like you can turn to john 20 as well and put your finger in between those two passages uh as i've shared before i grew up playing in the band not a cool band um like lenny's or in the second services but uh in in the big band and uh played the trombone for many years, don't ask me to do it now. Uh, one of the interesting things I was thinking about with that is uh, whenever we would practice or even perform, there would be a moment where uh, the band director would look to typically one of the squeakiest instruments in the group, the clarinet, and whoever was in that first chair, and that person would put the... and and we would tune, all of us, to that sound. That we would uh, resonate in all the different complexities of the different instruments to that one note. Because it doesn't take long if you've ever been to an elementary or a junior high band concert to realize uh, when one's out of tune, it don't matter if all the rest are, that one note is what you hear. The reason I say that is because Easter is coming. Let me say that again. Easter is coming. The time where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ is coming. And as we prepare for that time in the coming weeks, and and really even through, I want us to take time, look at the story of the resurrection and the people that are involved in that story. Because maybe if we will take the time and prayerfully consider and prayerfully uh, hone our life hone our life and um, our hearts, maybe we would be known as Easter people as well. And so today we're going to look at these two accounts of the same story in Mark 16 and John chapter 20. And specifically this morning I want to look at one Easter person, Mary Magdalene. It says in Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 1, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might Go to anoint Jesus' body. Very, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from this entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, Christ has told his disciples Throughout the earlier parts of the Gospels, you read that he, he's telling them what's going to happen, but it like they miss the memo. They don't quite get it, and, and you wonder why, but at the same time, you realize that they think they know what it's really going to look like. That if Jesus is the Messiah, as they believe he is, then it should go like this, and yet it doesn't. It doesn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. And so now Jesus is dead. And the disciples are in hiding. Jesus' rec- resurrection is fr- from the dead is the pivot point in history of all creation. And they are nowhere to be found. They aren't there. Now let me, let me point out, in Mark's telling of the story, they, these ladies, Mary and these ladies are significant. They are the only ones, the only followers of Jesus that are named as being witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, His burial, and His death. They're the only ones that, that are here. The men are in hiding, and Mary and Mary Magdalene is, has a front row seat to Jesus' resurrection. She's the first in line to experience it. And this morning, I want us to look at the reason why maybe that is a fact. Because if we're not careful, it's, it's easy to kind of brush it away and think, well, it's just a lucky coincidence that they were there. That that if we're not careful, it will seem like Mary and the other ladies were just in the right place at the right time. They're just lucky. It's just, like I said, a coincidence. Could have been any of the other disciples, but, you know, they got to be the ones. So how did they get to be the ones, though? Have you ever really thought about it? We look to Luke chapter 8. We see where it begins. We're told that Jesus is preaching the gospel and and the kingdom message and he's going around to the different towns with his disciples, these 12 men that he's called to come alongside him. And, And they're going around and if you realize Jesus doesn't do this alone. We know that a crowd goes wherever he goes and he's got these 12 men with him. And as a result, there's logistical things that happen. And when we think of the logistical support that Jesus had, we tend to focus on the twelve. These twelve men. But they're just the beginning of this. Because we know that the twelve are also sent out, and so... There's different parts and how do they all do this and we have to keep reading in, in this Luke chapter 8 passage where it says, and certain women. One of the reasons that Jesus was able to do what he was called to do on this earth and in this pe- this place around Galilee and into Jerusalem and the other parts is certain women there weren't just any women though they were women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities these women had been healed and now supporting and and serving jesus and the disciples in a powerful way and and this is where we first come in contact with mary magdalene she's listed as it says mary magdalene out of whom seven demon, demons had come That's a lot. She had been released. She had been freed. And now she's actively involved in participating in Jesus' ministry. And she's not alone. There were also Joanna, wife of Chusa, who's Herod's steward. And you have Susanna. It says that they weren't just the only ladies because there were many others. And we miss this point where it says that they provided from them out of their own means these ladies were part of the backbone of the disciples ministry and jesus's ministry and for good reason we tend to focus on what jesus did his hand is is out he's touching people he's raising the widow's son he's doing work in this place he's healing people in this place he's preaching and but make sure that we point out that and realize that there's a, this amazing cast of biblical ladies behind the scenes who are serving God in powerful ways and he tells us that Jesus did all these things and his disciples are out there doing the work too but don't forget about Mary and the other ladies who have been tran- whose lives have been transformed and collectively they have declared, we'll do whatever is needed so that you can go and do the ministry that you're called and sent to do, Jesus. So for Mary, it wasn't just this fluke thing that caused her to be able to encounter the risen Christ that morning. To get to be a part of this amazing moment and pivotal part of all history. For her, it was a way of life that had begun when Jesus touched her life. When He freed her from the demons. And so when we look to John 20, we read the same story that we find in Mark, but it has more of an understanding of the view of Mary Magdalene. And specifically includes more of the detail of her encounter at the tomb. And one thing stands out is that not only does she have an angel encounter, but she has an encounter with the risen Christ. That this isn't a random lucky lie pull that she gets to end up in front row on the most important day in human history but, and that she got to be the first person sent out with the message of the resurrection. The message of hope. Mary got to be the first one to tell the world that Christ is risen. He is not dead to be there and preach that message long before Paul or any other preacher had ever stood up she got to be the one that said hey world Jesus is alive she's the one that got to declare to Peter who's still dealing with the guilt of his denial that Jesus told me specifically to come and tell you that it's not over And it's an epic moment for sure. But what is it that poised her and prepared her to be there? And for us this morning, 2,000 years later, what is it that we can do to prepare that we can be a participant in this epic Easter story? What is it that we can do to tune our lives into an understanding? Because Mary, she's invested her life from the very moment of of Christ's touch all the way to this point where she's getting ready to be at the right place at the right time. And I want us not to miss it. I don't want us to be passive and, and hiding away. I want us to be engaged and ready to participate in all that God has called us to do on this holy journey. And that maybe we would create some runway for all that God has for us to do in the coming days. So what is it about Mary? Why her? Well, the first thing is she showed gratitude. You'd be too if God had you from 17 D. Realize that seven is a special number in Scripture. It's a number of completion and and wholeness. She had been fully consumed by the kingdom of darkness until Jesus freed her. Until He healed her and brought meaning and hope into her life. Everything changed for her and now she's using that as a support for this ministry because grateful people always pivot and seek to be a blessing. Gratitude is never silent. It's never invisible. If you're, gra- if you're grateful, you show up. If you're grateful, you stand up. She didn't just say thanks to Jesus. You know, thanks for healing me. Thanks for feeding me. And I'll, be, I'll see you some other time. No, she, she responded with all that she had, all that she was, to help others experience the freedom that she had found In Christ. That's gratitude, in action. So from that moment of healing, she's constantly giving out of thankfulness. Spices aren't free, but yet she shows up at the tomb with her arms full of one of the most expensive things in the day that you could give, Joseph of Arimathea and. And Nicodemus have wrapped Jesus' body and placed Him in the tomb, but they weren't able to do a proper job. So she spent the whole Sabbath day planning how to take care of Jesus so that He would be given the respect due. And early in the morning, through the dark, through all the risk, she shows up. Because she showed resilience. Resilience. When the, she first encountered Jesus, she had been at her lowest and darkest place. She had been demon-possessed. And it would have been easy for her to be defined by that. And I think we've all been around people who have been through difficult things. And they can't quite get over it. They're through it, but not over it. They're defined by it. They're like in this loop where they're just constantly replaying the hurts, replaying the hard and difficult times going on, and it's like you would never know that God had brought them through it because it almost seems like they're stuck in it still. That's not Mary Magdalene. She didn't have a victim mentality because you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. This woman now knew that she was more than a conqueror through Christ, Jesus, who called her and set her free. Likewise, we need to be people who are not called by the things that have been bound and hurt us. Yes, they're a part of our story. But instead, we are called and and named by the fact that we have been redeemed, saved, and loved. Don't take your identity from what you've been through, but instead take it from who you've been called to be. And that's Mary. She's resilient. She showed courage. It took courage for her to face that, to to be a part of the cross. When Jesus died, you know, she you, you don't read about Peter being there or frankly you don't read about any of the other the 12 except for John being at the cross but Mary was there with the cast of ladies the disciples are locked behind doors because they're afraid that they're going to be rounded up as accomplices of Jesus but Mary she's fearless and then she continues to show courage as she shows up at the that morning. Because when you've been transformed by Christ, you understand that she showed her true colors. It, there's nothing fake here. Crisis shows through who really you are on the inside. When things aren't going well, when that's when you find out who you really are. It exposes what's really going on on the inside. And for Mary, the worst day of her life when she's the person that she's given her whole life to supporting and and sharing and serving is brutally murdered in front of her on the cross. She shows that at her core, she's not just Mary who had seven demons. She is Mary, the disciple of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you can do to her that is going to keep her from being wherever she needs to be. Because Jesus has changed her life. He's saved her and set her free. And as a result, she's going to give everything that she has for Him. Why is that? You see it in verse 13 of John 20. She declares, My Lord, who is Jesus to you? It's one of the most important questions we can answer. And she declares, He is my Lord. That possessive pronoun has the capacity to change everything. We're we're told that when Jesus, I mean, Mary finally meets Jesus on that day, it's, it's all this comes full circle. Here she is, she's crying outside the tomb. The disciples aren't there. Peter and John have come. And they've gone. And yet she's still there. Where else is she gonna go? The last place, this is the last place she knew that Jesus was, and she's got the spices, she's all prepared to, to fulfill her duty. She's not going anywhere. And so Jesus asks, Well, who are you seeking? And she turns, thinking he's a gardener, and she asks, Where did you put him? Where did you move Jesus? You know, did you put him in a different grave? Tell me, and I'll take care of things. And he says, Mary. He called her by name. And when he's your Lord, you know the sound of his voice. There's nothing more powerful in your life when your ears have have been tuned to the sound of the shepherd's voice. And when he knows your name, what could be more important than these days in our life in the midst of all that's going on than for us to understand and tune our ears to the hearing of our shepherd's voice who each day calls us out and gives us compassion the capacity to follow him. So she's shown gratitude, she's shown resilience and courage. She's, she's shown who she was and but lastly, and most importantly, she showed up. She showed up. Why did she get that front row seat on Easter morning? Because she was there. And that's the story of Mary's life. She showed up. She showed up to support. She showed up to help. She showed up to to pray. She showed up to lead. She showed up to be people, a person of influence. She continued to show up. She wasn't just passively participating, saying, well, that was Cool. You guys do your thing. I'll just sit here and watch. She showed up. She's actively engaged. She knew what she needed to do, and I need to know. We have to continue to show up. The sharing of God's message. Of of resurrection, of hope, of God's love that He died on the cross, not just to die on the cross, but to set us free from the sins that were binding us needs to happen, and that only happens when we show up. It can't stop. We can't quit. We can't get discouraged. We can't get tired. The story must continue to be told. And Mary was someone who was invested in knowing that the greatest message, the message of Christ, would continue to be told. And for us this morning, it's no different, it's no less important. No excuses. Show up. One of our primary jobs in the mission of Christ is to continue to show up. And as we do that, as and I'm not just talking on Sunday morning, when we show up for Christ, it means 24-7, every day of every minute, I I, I live for Christ, that I would live my, my life as one that has been redeemed and set free by the blood of Christ, that I would show up in the lives of others so that I can share the message of what Christ has done for me. Not that I'm bound by the past, but that I've been set free from the past because Christ showed up for me. I will show up for Him. And as we continue... as we continue to live in gratitude for what Christ has done for me, that story that's shared from each of us will continue to change lives. The news, the good news of the gospel is that it's not just some past event. It's saved. It continues to save. And it will continue to save. Because Christ is alive. He is risen. He is not in the grave. I can attest to it. I've been there. Nobody was in there. Christ is risen. And we are people of the resurrection. And as we continue... to to live our lives, to tune our lives to the story of Christ, it will continue to transform us and it will allow others to experience the risen Christ as well. Let me encourage you. Show up. Continue to be participants in the message of the Gospel. Don't be just consumers. Show up and serve. Show up and participate. Show up and continue to share your story and the hope that you have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You showed up. You showed up on, in the person of Christ to share the love that You have for Your creation, to set us free from the bondage of sin and death, You've done so much. For us who deserve nothing, You've set us free. Simply because we put our hope, our trust, and our faith in You. In what You did on the cross. In the fact that You've resurrected Jesus. That You conquered death in the grave. Help us be the Easter people that we are called the resurrection. People of your word of truth. Help us to show up in gratitude. Help us to show up in service. Help us to show up in your love with resilience that we are not the people we used to be, but that you have set us free. God, we thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go. Continue to show up.